earlier today, I was just, uh, I was just thinking about the, the idea of adulthood, adulthood versus childhood. And it it's just seems all very arbitrary to me because, you know, one day you wake up and you're adult and I, I don't think that ever happens, honestly. Obviously, I'm not an adult. I'm 16 years old. I'm in high school. But if I did wake up someday, you know, like 21 and say I'm an adult, I would probably hate myself. Honestly, I would because that, you know, that idea of adulthood is centered around no blowing bubbles, no eating fishy crackers. And I'm so down with those things. And of course, like, you know, certain things we outgrow, like, you know, the backyardigans and old shows like the little Einsteins. But honestly, I, I still enjoy doing like stupid stuff. I, I play hopscotch whenever there's a little thing on the sidewalk that somebody else drew. I, I go on the swings, I climb in trees all the time, and I feel like I'm three years old and it's wonderful. I don't know. I don't know why they, not they, the world kind of just expects us to be adults because in reality, I don't think the world is full of adults. I think we're just, you know, bigger kids. And the the same goes for like being being a teenager in general, you know, because I honestly I have a bunch of bubbles right next to me right now. To the other side of me, I have a a bunch of M and M's and a little Star Wars thing that my girlfriend gave to me, and it's awesome. I I love my toys and I love the stuff like that. Um, you know, society, I not society. I don't want to sound like you know a jerk or anything, but people in general, I. I think they, they view those sort of toys as um, just weird and childish. You, you see TV shows all the time, like My Strange Addiction and about um, the guys who, uh, you know, they'll dress up like babies, like they will wear a diaper. And I, I, I don't know, I think that's not too far-fetched because if, if we really look at ourselves, what are we? We're, we're not... We're not adults. We're kind of, we all have childish tendencies. Our childish tendencies just get less, you know, messy. We cry less and we, we know how to eat spaghetti. Like we don't fling it on the walls like a bunch of hooligans. And we, we grow up and the definition of growing up has changed over time. Definitely. And it's, it's especially a cultural thing. I, you know, you hear about certain tribes and, and by tribes, I mean, just I I know I'm generalizing, but just people in the past or um, in the present even that have had to have specific dates and, and times where they become a man or they become a woman. And, you know, that's, that's still true today, of course, with um, different different cultural celebrations in which, you you know, you turn a certain age and you get to have a quinceanera or, uh, you know, you, you have a little party. And in my culture, it's 16. And that's weird. Because I'm 16 years old. I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, I have an R2-D2 calendar right there. And I have a little Einstein action. Not a little Einstein. Literally Einstein, like the scientist. A, an Einstein action figure right there. And he, he's just sitting there. And he, he doesn't make me feel any more like a kid. But the, the things like those, they make us feel like a kid sometimes. Because people will come up to us and point at that and say... No, what are you doing? And I, I've been confused with the idea of becoming older and not not maturing, but growing out of things ever since I was like three years old. My mother would come into my room and she would say, okay, it's time to get rid of this stuff. And this stuff would be like my trucks and my toys. And I, 
I would say, no, it's it's not time to get rid of it. But, you know, we, we go on and we get these things taken away from them. And the world tells us that, okay, you can't have this anymore and you can't do this. And I, I just kind of kept saying no. I would, you know, hide my toys so that my mother couldn't find them and I would pull them out at night or whatever. And um, they did try to get rid of my Pokemon cards. And, of course, I still have them. I'm, I'm kind of stubborn about that stuff because I don't think growing up has to mean you know, like getting rid of all your old stuff. It doesn't have to mean getting rid of toys. Like I, I love lightsabers. I love playing with Legos and um, doing all the stupid childish stuff that the world thinks sometimes is very, you know, um, unprofessional. But, you know, it's important to me. It's important to me to have that sort of thing. And I think that it's important to a lot of people, even those that are saying, hey, grow up. I think that stems from the fact that they had to and you know maybe without without them having to we could all just be children again and you know talking about this reminds me of that one show um or not the show the movie big and it's where uh this little kid you know he makes a wish that he was big and you know he he gets older and he um gets this position at a toy shop where he just tests out toys and i thought to myself as a little kid man this is awesome i want to be this type of adult um, and you know, I, I think I might be, that, that'd be super cool to just do stuff like that. I mean, uh, of course we have to emotionally mature and by emotionally mature, I mean, sometimes cover up emotions, sometimes just be able to, you know, go through complex emotions in a new way, um, than before, because, you know, if, if I could, I would, I would so definitely just act like a baby sometimes. Because, you know, you see a baby and she'll go through the store and the baby will see a balloon. And that baby will start crying until she gets her balloon. You get the balloon because you're a baby. I wish I was a baby sometimes because that would be awesome. I want to walk around the Ren Fair and I want to look at, like, this awesome sword and just cry until someone gives it to me. That'd be wonderful, but, you know, the world doesn't work that way. And it... It's weird to me that the world doesn't work that way because that's who we were eventually because we evolved into a culture in which the regular thing is kind of being hardened. We're not allowed to show emotion. And of, of course, the standard is different from where you live and, you know, who you are and what your story is, definitely. But for me, my standard has always been, okay, don't show emotion, you know, don't be a child. So I had I had to grow up kind of fast but I you know I kept my my little toys I'm, I'm always gonna keep my little toys I'm never getting rid of them I mean you know you get rid of um your old your old old stuff like little blankets you used to snuggle in but you know you always keep the one and I think that one little blanket symbolizes the kid we always were and always will be so I don't think that as an adult we really grow up to be a grown-up uh, that that whole line is blurry to me. Yeah, I think it's a little bit blurry to everybody. And I, I never understood why people wanted to grow up so badly. Sure, like, I wanted to, um, you know, get a job and, you know, make my own money and do this whole thing where I can, you know, be free. Obviously, everybody wants that at one point in their life, I think. But I never saw the idea of being a grown-up and having all of these different responsibilities thrust upon me. A goal and these responsibilities were thrust 
upon a lot of us at an early age as like a teenager because you know we're thrown into middle school and they say okay well all this is to prepare you for high school your teachers won't let you do this they'll just throw it in the trash and then we get to high school and the cursive we learned in middle school is useless because nobody reads cursive anymore and it's a dying art so we go back to printing and if we don't have our name on a piece of paper our teachers don't throw them out i mean if if they're nice teachers, they just kind of keep them and then say, hey, is this anybody's paper? You come up, you put the, your name on it, and all the world goes on. And then high school, they say, okay, we're just preparing you for college. And there are clubs for college, and there are all these things. And it doesn't matter if you're going to college or not. The The teachers will say that to you. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to like a regular technical academy where you're learning a trade or something, you're getting certified in some area or another, uh, teachers might not tell you this sort of thing but i personally have had the pressure my whole life to you know keep moving forward and th this leads me to wonder what they'll say in college will they say this is just getting you ready for a job and then you know in my job i won't use this class at all i that's what i'm most afraid of and it's not it's not the money i obviously i care about the money because i don't want to be in debt my whole life but if I spend, you know, half a year taking a class that I'm never going to use and I'm just using it for the credit, that's that kind of kills me because, you know, I want to be an adult. I want to do my own thing, but I want to keep my toys and I also want to use the classes that I take. What What's interesting about, you know, the the whole education thing is we, we do this so often and we we might take a class that we might not use, but. You know, I, I think the fun thing about a math class that we never use, like logarithms in our future, we're still training our brain. Um, I read about this in, you know, a book that, that was just talking about theoretical mathematics, you know, theoretical applied mathematics, and just how useful it can be in different scenarios in your life. And what I recall from it is that, you know, the person who was talking was a professor in college, and people would always ask, they would go, okay, why are we doing this homework? And he would respond with, well, um, if you're running for a marathon, you know, you, you need to run a couple of laps every day first. You, you can't get to that point without, you know, training your body. And the same is true for your brain. And I can't remember the exact author's name, but I think I thought that was just really interesting because nobody ever told me that. No teacher ever had an answer for my, okay, why are we learning this? So... I guess I'm kind of going, you know, back on my own self saying that some classes I'll never use, but other classes I'll, you know, obviously use. I I just honestly hope that the, this whole education thing works because if it doesn't, then, you know, I'm paying a lot of money for this. And why was elementary school to prepare me for middle school and middle school to prepare me for high school and high school to prepare me for college just to get a job in the future? And the thing they don't tell you is college isn't like the only option. There are a lot of different options out there. You see a lot of famous people who didn't even go to college. I'm not saying I'm not going to go to college because my parents would obviously freak out and everybody would freak out. But, you know, Steve Jobs didn't go to college. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure. I think he was a dropout. I won't say anything that I know is definite. But Bill Gates didn't either. And there's some of the most successful people that it, they're known nowadays. The this form of education works for some people and that that's what the world doesn't get it's that sort of uh, it's another thing that we have to cope with we have to go with okay we have to learn this way exactly 
and we have to go through these classes and it has to work for you or else you're stupid. And I, I never understood that either. Just how I never understood the whole, you know, wanting to grow up and have a bunch of responsibilities and being an adult thing. And I, I don't get it because a lot of people have artsy brains. A lot of people do. And originally those were the smart people, the, the painters and the poets. Those were the people that were, you know, the best in society and they had the higher ranks. But, you know, after after a long time of history developed and science became sort of, you know, an actual viable solution to problems in the world and in the universe, information became the top priority. And it completely flipped. I mean, you know, scientists weren't being killed anymore, but people who were doing art, you know, they, they didn't get paid much. And a lot of people didn't anyway, even before this whole scientific revolution thing. But that, that kind of led our society into this, this place of, okay, you have to learn this way. And I think that's completely wrong. Uh, knowledge, I, I don't think knowledge is, you know, knowing a bunch of facts. Well, I, I guess technically by definition, it's knowing a bunch of facts. But let's say intelligence. Intelligence isn't knowing a bunch of facts. It's, you know, the will and the ability to learn something. And that something could be anything. It doesn't have to be math. It doesn't have to be, you know, world history. It can just be learning a craft or experiencing something new and i think that's awesome and i think it's kind of sickening how the whole college experience and the whole high school experience doesn't take that much into account um you know i i, I go to a tech school and there the main thing is you know honestly it's our basic studies our majors aren't focused on we don't take a bunch of classes to you know learn more about what we're really interested in the the main point of ATEC, my school, is just, okay, we have to learn stuff that we might not use, but at least we're training our brain, or we have to maintain our grades, and we want to be, to go into a good college, to do what we want, and isn't that, isn't that kind of sad, because if you don't have the opportunity to go to a school in, like, high school or middle school, one of the magnet schools where you want to learn what you want to do, like, um, if you didn't have the opportunity to go to LVA, Las Vegas Academy of the Arts, and you really loved art and your grades were horrible, you might not get into the sort of college that you want to if you don't maintain those grades. Because maybe you don't understand uh, mathematics, but you really, you know, you know how to blend a background into a foreground and create a very nice focal point that your viewer is fixated upon. And it, you're creating masterpieces and nobody understands that. I That always just saddens me because, you know, that was another thing I, I looked up at when I saw adults. I saw this sort of unhappiness that we were all forced into a way of learning. And I, I you know, when I was little, not not little, but in middle school, I had this sort of fashion sense that was horrible. And I would just wear a flannel every single day. And I had this horrible, long, just bowl cut uh, hairstyle. I had a peace sign around my neck. And, it, you know, a, a lot of people criticized me for it. But the thing was, I didn't care. I didn't care because, you know, I, I grew up not specifically in a household or an environment where they said, you know, be yourself. I mean, of course, my friends supported me. They're, they're pretty cool people. But I, I just looked at all this and I said, I don't want that. I think that was one of the most important parts of my life when I said that I don't want to be changed 
by the rest of the world immediately and so easily like i saw everybody else around me being changed like i saw kids from my elementary school that were completely turning 180 kids that you know did well in their studies and um you know, they, they cared about people just being complete jerks and, you know, dropping like flies and it just wasn't working for them. But that was just the way that they had to be and they felt they had to be. And this, this focus on just straight learning information and regurgitating it and learning information and regurgitating it was one of those things that I didn't want to conform to. And I'm not saying, you know, I was the first hipster or whatever. I'm just saying it's warranted to not want to be a part of anything. And sure, you know, I, I looked horrible at a terrible outfit, obviously. Um, you know, I still have a flannel. I kind of burned the rest of them because it was just so bad. But eventually I found um, a different fashion sense that was more like more who I thought I was. And regardless of how society was, I think I would have dressed the way I do and I would have dressed the way I did. Because, again, we're thrown into this thing. And we're thrown into a lot of things. We we can't throw away our toys. Or no, we have to throw away our toys. I'm sorry, I had that backwards. We have to um, learn facts and focus on, you know, what's important, school. We have to focus on just memorizing names and memorizing years. And in a lot of places, that's not true. It, it, like in, in my school, it's not understanding specific facts it's mostly understanding the process and i think that's really the form of education we should be teaching we should have uh two different types of education we should have artsy education obviously and then you know scientific more concrete education because we all think in different ways definitely um i'm i'm prone to you know more thinking towards the logic side but i have a lot of experience in the art side and that's kind of why i think i see sort of both sides of this because if we focus the informational education on the process and the way things work we would have a lot more discovery in the world we would have people who knew why they were doing what they're doing and not just what they're doing like the other day my algebra teacher introduced logarithms and i had already had some experience with logarithms so i kind of knew what he was talking about and um how to use them but the the people around me you know I had to help a few of them and they one of them just asked me, you know, why why am I doing this? What what does a logarithm mean? And I just said, well, it's the opposite of an exponent. And they go, "Okay, well, why? When will I ever use it?" And honestly, I couldn't answer that. I I just that sort of thing that it's there, but we know it's there and we learn the process, but we don't learn the underlying roots of it. We don't learn the underlying system is the way a lot of us, you know, learn to experience the world. And I think that's kind of horrible. I think that the way uh, informational education is being taught to us is not not good. And, you know, there are a lot of things to blame for this. There's obviously the state and um, low funding from the, the government, the, the national government, of course. But one of the things I find is teachers are usually to blame. And this is largely false, I'd like to say, and that, that opinion's not very, you know, shared within the realm of high school, but I think that, you know, teachers are doing the best, and this comes from sort of a bias. My mother was a teacher for, you know, 20-some years, and she taught mathematics at a middle school level, and, you know, honestly, she, she hated it after a while because 
she had such a bad experience because her pay was so low. Her bosses were just, you know, terrible people. And I'll always take that into account. I will never be a teacher. The one thing I will never do is teach other students because I understand that horrible experience, the low pay, and how hard it is to support a family with that um, sort of lifestyle. Like My mother would always come home and she would you know, be really grumpy. And now since she's retired from teaching, and she's come to a position at an online school where she can sort of be an administrator and really be one-on-one with students, she's been a lot happier. And the way we treat our teachers in um, this culture is horrible. And I, I think that's, you know, just a terrible thing that we do that because it, it's not the teachers that are faulty when we're not learning. It's it's really, you know, who's backing the teachers. And the answer is not many people, uh, not many parents, not many uh, organizations, not even the government at this point is funding the teachers, excuse me. And, you know, it's especially true for, true for the state of Nevada because our whole um, economic basis was, you know, casinos. I'm, I'm sure if, if you're from out of town, you've heard of Las Vegas and how crazy it is. And honestly, it's not that crazy. But um, I live in, you know, the suburbs of Las Vegas, a place called Henderson, Nevada. And, you know, it's it's not that insane. We, like, we'll see Las Vegas. We'll go to the Strip every once in a while when a cousin visits. But it's not that wild. And when people moved here, they saw that there weren't laws. So they started to gamble. And that gambling became, um, you know, sort of the the cultural appropriate thing in this area. And that's why people come here. People come here to lose money to big casinos for a thrill. And that losing money to big casinos for a thrill has, you know, trickled down to all the students. Um, we have one of the lowest education systems in the entire country. And the one of the main reasons, I think, is because our you know, economic basis is not, it's not discovery. It's not creating things. It's maintaining these casinos and, you know, building up new ones. It's manual labor. It's working on the machines. And of course, that's not the gigantic, huge thing in, in this entire state. It's just mostly the Southern area, but a lot of people will be hired for that. I mean, even as um, a social media manager, I've been looking for jobs in that area. And I found that a lot of the things on Craigslist and um, all the different job sites is, you know, MGM Grand wants somebody to work on this or another small casino wants somebody to work on their Twitter. And it, it comes to every different branch because a casino can honestly hire anybody for any small thing, for any little job. My, my father's an engineer in the casino industry, and I'm not saying he's not a smart guy, but it, he is a smart guy, but the education here is just tailored towards that sort of manual labor, and that kind of makes me sick. And, you know, to bring it back to um, Las Vegas in general, I'd, I'd honestly just like to say it's not crazy to live here. It's not wild. Again, it's not always a party because you'll walk down the strip and you look up once and you say, wow, this is crazy. These people are insane, and what are they doing? Especially if you live here because, you, you know, you see a bunch of people with, um, glasses that are taller than them and they're drinking out of them and they'll, they'll smoke just weird stuff and it's horrible it's a horrible experience it, it really is not a fun experience to live in that sort of area and I'm lucky that um, when my parents moved out here from New York that 
they they chose the suburb instead of just right next to Las Vegas because in that area and even in my school it's just not a safe environment and it's not a fun environment because people here in Nevada they think Las Vegas but you know I hear Nevada I think this this green place outside of my house where there's a park and there are children and there are human beings out here and a little bit away from that is the nasty casinos and a little bit away from that is my school in an area that's not it's not so fit to live in as you know the suburbs of las vegas it just blows me away that the again the culturally appropriate thing to think of vegas is party city sin city and another part of vegas that isn't shown is you know we're not that bad i i know i you know just totally shamed all of the casino companies because they're definitely you know not fun they're trying to make a lot of money from little people or a lot of money from a lot of people but if you if you look around the community there's a lot more that goes on than just gambling um my church, uh, Central Christian Church, is a wonderful place, and I'm not going to, you know, advertise Christianity at all, of course, but we do events that, you know, give back to the community. We we did this thing called Strive a couple of years ago, and it was just, we would, you know, get sponsors and donations to, you know, get rides around and do stuff like this, and um, the last time I did Strive, I remember helping out um, at this one place and just, you know, carrying wood around because they didn't have anybody else to carry the wood around. I don't remember specifically the the name of the place, but what the what it was for is for children that, you know, didn't have safe environments. And so that, you know, they didn't get put into child protective services. They were just given to this organization where they could, you know, have a home and, you know, people that could help take care of them. And there are awesome places like that. There are um, places where women and children can hide from, you know, abusive families. And there are many foundations out here. And it's honestly, some of it is absolutely wonderful. And one of the things I've heard about is trying to transform Sin City into something else that the world will know. And I honestly just hope that that does happen because knowing, knowing this place is Sin City is just no fun. Knowing that when when you grow up and you move somewhere, people are going to hear, oh, well, obviously you grew up in a crazy town where people gambled and smoked all day, and that must be your childhood. That's not my childhood. That's not who I am, and that's not who a lot of people here are. Of course, we, we look at the casinos, and we've been there. We've been there a thousand times. We've stayed at the um, MGM. We've stayed at the Wynn. A lot of our parents work there sometimes, but that's not us. Las Vegas is seen as this horrible place that the people are not. I, I think that's really misguided. And it's an, another misguided look of the world. One of the misguided look of the world is, hey, when you grow up, you have to throw these things away and you can't play with swords and you can't play with, you know, action figures. You can't um, joke around as much as you would as if you were a child. I think that's completely false. Another one is that, you know, if you live in Las Vegas, you must have gambled your whole life and been around that whole thing your whole life. And that is, again, completely false. Of course, it's dependent on your conditions and dependent on who you are. But anybody that thinks that Las Vegas is a place just full of, you know, people who want to gamble, you, you don't understand. Las Vegas isn't built for the people that live here. It's built for the people that come here. 
And that's the problem because that, that comes into, you know, education. It comes into growing up because we, we get less education. We learn less. We're, I think, 48th in the state. We used to be 51st. We were behind a province in the United States. Um, and it, it's just horrible living near that. Uh, of course, the environment around it is beautiful. The people here can be wonderful, absolutely wonderful people, but that's not who we are. I think everybody in Las Vegas can relate to sort of this sort of thing. Like if they've ever talked to um, cousins out of town or people that they, they met like up in Ohio or um, down in Arizona. I mean, Arizona sort of has the same reputation, uh, not exactly of Sin City, but just of, you know, gambling and partying all the time, at least what I've heard. But if, if you've ever heard somebody talk about Nevada that's not from Nevada, they're going to talk about Las Vegas. And honestly, I, I'm not from Las Vegas. I'm from Henderson, Nevada. So thank you for listening. Um, Walking on a Wall should start to upload on every Tuesday. And, you know, I hope you can follow my SoundCloud account and maybe give me a shout out on some sort of social media so that more people can listen to my voice for half an hour. Um, thank you again, and I'll see you next time.